Shall we just go and God in prayer before we begin the sermon? Heavenly Father, I call on you to do the thing that only you can do. I can study, I can prepare, but I can only preach to a certain level unless you, Lord, inhabit this moment. Holy Spirit, that's a design and custom-tailored message that each person needs here today. I ask now that you measure that out in each heart. Help us to get past all the distractions that will keep us from understanding the things you desire to say. So Lord, open our hearts and minds to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, we are going to continue the passage on Luke as we journey on towards Christmas. And the passage we are going to talk about today is from Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to verse 56. Allow me to read to you the message. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. And today's sermon title, I've actually titled it to be Age is Just a Number. And you know, some thoughts, maybe the first thought that came to your mind is maybe in a relationship where both parties have a big age gap and one will just say, age is just a number. But I'm not talking about that whole relationship issue today. I'm talking about your physical age um, today. And let me just offer you some birthday quotes and greetings which you, have, you might have received from your loved ones or friends. One of them is, I'm not getting old, I'm getting better. Age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And as you get older, three things happen. The first is your memory goes, and I can't remember the other two. <laughs> it's called senior moment. That's what I learned. You know, when somebody is forgetful, you want to be respectful, you just say senior moment. This is the senior moment. At age 20, we worry about what others think of us. At age 40, we don't care what they think of us. At age 60, we discover they haven't been thinking of us at all. <laughs> All these quotes really is really to look at our two heroes of today, which is Mary and Elizabeth. Mary is a young lady, probably about 16 or 17 years old, and for Elizabeth, it's past her barren age. What does that mean from my experience myself? Don't ask. 
Just leave it as past the barren age. You know, that's what my wife teach me. Don't ask, just leave it past the barren age. Whatever that, that number means to you, that's it. I leave it as that. Okay, but from these two ladies' life, a younger and an older lady, we see, really see two things. And these are the two things. God does not look at our age. does not look at their age, even though they are young or old, but our willingness and our obedience. Just like how later we will see Mary's and Elizabeth's willingness and obedience in their life. And the second point is that no matter our age, circumstances and situation, just like how Mary and Elizabeth are in, God cares for us. God cares for us. So let me ask you some questions to understand Mary's position and her degree of obedience of her action. So let's say you're traveling overseas and you're, you're driving down the highway or expressway and you get caught speeding just by a little bit, you know, and the police stops you, stops your car and comes up to you and basically say, hey, why are you speeding? You know, you want to get scot-free? You know what to do? Show pass me your passport. Put something inside. Basically asking for a bribe to help you get scot-free. Will you pay? The best part is your boss is beside you. So will you do it? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, maybe at work you're asked, the company asks you to change a bit of the, the financial accounts so that they can pay lesser tax. Will you do it? These are some of the many examples of controversial questions and situations we are put in. For myself, I know of a mission team, uh, not here, of another church, who brought some youth overseas. It's a youth mission team. And upon arrival of the foreign country at the custom, one of the youth who was only 15 years old then was stopped at custom. Basically, she was a minor and her parents weren't traveling with her. So seen as a minor without a proper documentation, the custom officer blocked her and stopped her from entering. And the team leader, the mission team leader at that point in time was like, oh no, no, what happened? You know, young girls stop at custom, you know, there's a lot of, you know. So upon finding out the situation, trying to explain and explain, Basically, the custom officer just wanted some passport money. You know, put something in the passport, pass the passport again. That's how it works, right, in, in those countries. But the, the mission trip leader was trying to explain, no, 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 you know, we are traveling in a group. She's very safe. You know, there's no human trafficking or any illegal activities happening. Please let us through. If you were a team leader, what would you do? Actually, I know the, the typical answer everybody would give me, which is to pray. You know, send message back. Please pray. You know, under spiritual attack. But whichever the reason is, when you reach a tricky situation, which many of us do, and in our minds right now, we might be, you know, thinking back uh, of a tricky situation you were in, something complicated, and you find yourself stuck. Maybe, perhaps even now in your life, you are in a tricky situation where you do not know what to do, and you are kind of stuck. You know, every way seems a bit like, hmm, no, yeah. But the tricky question here I want to ask and bring forward to you is, what if God asks you to follow your boss' demands? You know, you are in a tricky position. You either follow your boss or you follow what you think is right. And now God says you got a strong prompting. Well, go with what your boss thinks. Be it change the account system, just not the church accounts. You know, that will be fine. But if that situation appears in your life and happens in your life, you know, my suggestion is go to PIC. Okay, the day comes, you go to PIC. But I pray that the day will not come to you where you face such situation. But in our, our text today, Mary happened to be in a difficult situation. She was asked by the angel, if you remember the story, to what? To, to actually bear a child, a virgin birth. And what does that mean to her? It means actually giving up all her reputation. 
As a young girl then, she was asked to sacrifice her reputation. It's everything to her because that's the only thing she has. She's not rich. She doesn't have properties, doesn't have a large bank account with ampao money or something like that. She don't have. She only have a reputation. And that means a lot to her at that point of time. She was young and that would mean neighbors talking behind her back. That would mean uh, people gossiping about her. They put her in a very, very bad light. But she was willing to make that difficult decision to bear that shame that came with being a young, unmarried woman who was with child. Remember, she was only 16 or 17 years old at that point of time. It probably did not make sense to her. And it wasn't an easy situation to be in. But that started her journey of obedience to the Lord, to be used to bring Jesus into the world, to be our Savior today. And at that very hour and very young age, she gave up. She gave up that reputation, gave up everything that she has to follow God's direction. I think likewise in our situation today, it might be even more complicated, it might be even more messy. The question then is, are we willing, be willing to be used by God in the situation we are in? See, age doesn't matter here. It doesn't matter how old, how young you are. It's whether you are willing to be used by God. So after Mary heard the news from the angel, right, here, wow, you know, and she was very willing to, to do whatever, what did she do? She just booked a flight out and went on holiday. She basically visited the cousin. But no, actually not. She actually just went to have a class meeting with her. So basically, right, in class meeting, you come, oh, what did God share to you? Oh, yeah, okay, then, no, angel appeared to me and shared with me. So class meeting, basically, she, she and Elizabeth have a class meeting, two person, you know. But that's not true because in the past, actually, it's not usual for women to travel, especially when she's engaged to be married. It's not, it's not usual. Um, she would probably remain secluded in her home until she entered the bridal chamber. And this journey that she took was probably about 70 to 80 mile, miles, which probably took about three to four days on foot or maybe a little bit of um, horse or donkey, whichever method of mode of transport, probably take three to four days. It wasn't a short journey but neither was it super long either. And we were also given no specific reason for Mary's trip. The angel did not command her to go, did not say anything about it, but nonetheless she went to consult and visit Elizabeth. And upon arrival at Elizabeth's house, she offers a greeting. And it's not normal. Uh, upon hearing this Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's unborn child leaped for joy. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit we can assume that this Holy Spirit that filled Elizabeth and her unborn child John is ab- enables them to discern the significance of Mary and the child she carries. So Elizabeth's spirit-guided discernment is also something that is not usual, not what society or what social norm says for Elizabeth. You see now, Mary is deemed as the junior in our modern-day terms. Right? She is younger than Elizabeth, and she's a guest. Being the younger and the guest is a junior, she's actually paying respect by offering the initial greeting, which is correct. But here we see Elizabeth actually humbles herself. Elizabeth is the, actually the senior in this, in this relationship, but she questions why she is so favoured that the mother of her Lord would come to visit her. She recognises that in this relationship, she is now the lesser She's now the junior. She recognizes that Mary now, who is the mother of her Lord, is the senior in the relationship. So she humbles herself. She understands the sense of privilege and favor 
of being used by God, not as a central role, but a humble beneficiary of God's grace. See, Elizabeth's humility is also reflected in John 3.30, which he must become greater and I must become less. So then Elizabeth being humble, humble herself to offer Mary a blessing. The word used here, bless, is the same word that Jesus will use in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a word that is spoken over those who are the recipients of God's gift of redemption. So we can see that Mary being the older, more senior person, humbles herself because she sees the bigger picture of what God is doing. She knows her place and purpose that John, her unborn child, will be the forerunner of Jesus, paving the way of the Saviour. Despite her age being older, she knows she's being used as an instrument for God. And both of them are heroes in, in this story because their obedience and humility are actually a natural product of their relationship with God. See, in the ancient world, relationship with God is not a casual affair. It's not something like we see God as a friendly neighbour or a best friend. Rather, it's seen as an honour. It calls for that deep sense of respect, much like a person might respond to hosting a famous public figure. So much awe was reserved for God in Judaism that they discussed in detail how God should be approached in worship at the temple. Even giving the precise route, route the priest should take in approaching him. The point is not that we should replicate such detail or go back to the law, but to note how much care and consideration was given to approaching God. And both Mary and Elizabeth communicated the sense of respect and reflects the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. So we see in Mary's and Elizabeth's action, age really doesn't matter. Be it young or old, it really doesn't matter because it's about willingness and obedience. Mary was young, but obeyed God and risked her reputation and put it on the line and sacrificed everything that she has at that point of her life. Elizabeth was older, but humble. She goes against the social norm and humble herself down to give that kind of respect to Mary. So, family, despite our age, despite their age, both ladies showed that great obedience and humility and were used mightily by God. Personally, I do not know your age, but I know that you can still be used by God. I do not know your social or economical status, but if these two ladies can be used by God, you can be used by God. And not just being used by God in terms of their age, but in their circumstances and situation, God cares for us. So you might think that, oh, this situation is so complicated. I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. But the word of God says God cares for us. Because in Mary's song, which was recorded from verse 46 to 55, it's called the Magnificat. And in Latin is that, I, I do not know how to pronounce that. I don't study Latin. But let me read to you Mary's song once more. Because it's through her song that she worshipped God. She knows who God is in her life. In verse 46, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he has promised our ancestors. And in this Mary's song, the beautiful thing is that she starts off by revealing God's character and attributes. Not as abstract expression of holiness, mercy and saving power, but in concrete relationships to people. See, God's attributes are meant not only to be understood and worshipped, which is important and true, but they are to be experienced as well, seen in the everyday affairs of life. So those who appear to be powerful in the world are often powerless before God, while those who seem to be hopeless, helpless and hungry are under God's watchful eye. Moving on, Mary also uses this he has multiple times because she believed in her heart, in God and yielded to his will. See, God performed a miracle in her life and used her to bring the Saviour into the world. In the second stanza of her song, Mary included all of God's people who feared Him from generation to generation, but distinguished three specific groups to whom God has been merciful, the helpless, the humble, and the hungry. And let me talk about the first group, which is the helpless. So in those days, the common people were almost helpless when it comes to justice and civil rights. They were often hungry, oppressed and discouraged and there was no way for them to fight the system. A secret society of patriotic Jewish extremists called the Zealots used violent means to oppose Rome but their activities only made matters worse. So in today's system, do you feel helpless? Are you helpless from the work you are doing and in the company that you're working for, because there's a feeling that you cannot quit from the job due to the needs of the family, or the boss that you're under who is demanding and unreasonable. You're helpless when you see year 2020 and what's coming for you. It might be the bleak economy or the uncertainty that that anything can happen in your life, in your family or even in your work, that makes you so helpless. And how about those who are worried about health issues? A doctor visit, coming appointment, or a medical result? In fact, there are many situations that leave us feeling helpless. And when you have that feeling of helplessness, I just want you to know that God is looking out for you. He says in the Bible, He cares about the situation that you are in. And the second group are those who are humble. The Psalmist often contrasts the humble with the powerful and arrogant. The Psalms depict the humble as oppressed and exploited by the ungodly, but the humble still trust in God to vindicate them over their oppressors. And that trust is something that perhaps to be humble today is not the same as the people in the past, where there's oppression and exploitation. But to be humble is to submit to God's will in our lives, to acknowledge that we are not in control of the situation we are in, and call upon God for help. See, in our human nature, it's easy and 
natural to take control of the situation we are fearful of. But to be humble is to acknowledge that God is the one in control of the situations we are in. No matter what age we are, there's always be some fear in our lives. When we are young, we might fear not being able to find a boyfriend or girlfriend or get married. When we, are, when we get older, we fear not having enough money to support the family or be successful in our jobs. When we get even older, we fear sicknesses and illness. But when we get even, even older, we fear of being alone in our golden years. Hence, you see, being fearful of the unknown is ageless. It doesn't matter what age you are in. There will be some fear. But being humble is also ageless. It doesn't matter how old you are, you can be humble. You can call upon God to come and help you in the situation you are in. So the last group is those who are hungry. And hunger is a real issue among the poor. It is still an issue in the past. It was an issue in the past and still is an issue today in some parts of the world. For us living in Singapore, despite the heavy cost, the high cost of living, hunger is not entirely a widespread issue. Majority of us are still able to put food on the table. But for the poor and needy, there are government subsidies and aid available. But here I'm not talking about physical hungerness, but spiritual hungerness is still around in today. Still around today. Some of us are starving from God's word and presence and filling it with junk food. Some examples of junk food are social media, numerous gatherings, maybe even work, multiple OTs, busyness in life, in our Singaporean lifestyle, online shopping, as Shelf Shelf has just ended, all of which I am guilty of myself. So when our spiritual hunger isn't filled by God but filled with junk, we actually live dangerously. What do I mean by that? See, imagine not eating proper meals but just snacks and sweet. I think the young children will say amen to that. But you will probably not live very long, be super unhealthy and probably lose all your teeth. So the irony of it is that you can actually survive if you eat sweet and snacks every day. You can survive on a day-to-day basis because your body gets used to all the junk food. I think likewise we can survive on junk spiritual food. Uh, we, come, we just come for service once a week, come for sale, just listen, and just leave. It's very easy to just go through the motion and just leave like that. But my encouragement to you is to actually feed on the bread of life himself, which is God. And one way that we can actually feed on him on a daily basis is through worship. We start our day with worship, end our day with worship. Music is all around us every day. You can get free music, Spotify free, don't even need to pay. Just listen to the advertisement, it's fine. 30 seconds of your life for those young people who know what I'm talking about. It's okay, but worship God has that kind of power to lift you up, to lift your spirit. And let me give you an example of a story. A story by John McCain, who was a prisoner of war in North Vietnam, 1971. And it's, it's just nice that this story is on, about Christmas and we are near Christmas. So on Christmas Eve in 1971, the POWs, he and, he and a group of people, held a worship service. They began with the Lord's Prayer and then sang Christmas carols. McCain read a portion of the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke between each hymn. The men were nervous at first because a year earlier, the guards had burst in on their secret worship service. They have dragged the three men who were leading it to solitary confinement 
lock the rest of them in 3 by 5 foot cells for 11 months. Still, the prisoners wanted to sing this night. And so they began. O come, all ye faithful. They sang barely above a whisper, their eyes glancing anxiously at the barred windows. Huddled below a naked light bulb, they appeared to be a rather sorry congregation. Several shook from fevers. Some were permanently deformed as a result of torture. Others leaned on makeshift crutches, but they kept singing, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him, born the king of angels. And the prisoners grew bolder. Their voices lifted a little higher until they filled the cell with harp, the herald angels sing, and it came upon a midnight clear. And when it started, silent night, tears rolled down their unshaven faces. As they sang with feeling the final refrain, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace, they realized that a transformation had taken place. McCain said, we have forgotten our wounds, our hunger, our pain. We raised prayers of praise and thanks for the child Christ, for our families and homes. This was an absolutely beautiful feeling that our burdens have been lifted. So friends, these songs, songs will lift our spirits up. Songs will help us when we are feeling down, feeling hopeless. And as we worship the Lord, even later or even when you go back to your homes, during the weekday, I ask that you just worship the Lord and let the songs of the words just lift your spirit up. Whatever age you are in, young, old, you can worship the Lord. You can hear songs that will lift your spirit up. And lastly, Mary actually closed her song with a sense of hope. A hope that God remembers Abraham and his descendants. And we are part of these descendants. This hope that we know and we can hold on to that God has promised to all mankind. A hope that no matter our age, young or old, in whatever situations we are in, we can be obedient and humble before God. And in the situation that you are in, God cares for you. God cares for you. Be it when you are helpless, the situation that you are helpless in, or a situation that you need to call upon God. So I just want to end with this psalmist um, passage from Psalms 92, verse 12 to verse 14. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars, cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Let us pray as we go to God as, our, as he is our rock. To just depend on him and know that he cares for us. See, Almighty Father, as we come before you in our, with our situation, in our life, Lord, we just ask that you just come into our midst. Come and minister to us. Come and show us that light in, dark, in our darkness. Shine that light of yours into our lives. 
that, Lord, we can cry out to you, we can hold on to you, and we can depend on you because we know that you care for us. Your word says you care for us and you promise that you'll be with us forever and ever, Lord. And nothing will separate us from you, Lord. So, Lord, help us to hold on to you as we enter into the new year, as we celebrate Christmas, knowing that you are the light of the world. So, Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.